think as a society, we have a tendency to overinvest in single use clothing, like, you know, even gowns and underinvest in those things that we're actually wearing every day. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your day is off to an amazing start. We're switching gears a little bit today. We're not really having the health conversation. We're not really having the business conversation or personal growth. We're talking about fashion. But I actually think this conversation really does play a role in our overall health and well being. Because if you're not familiar with slow fashion, and the negative impacts of fast fashion on our environment, let alone the fabrics that we are wearing and how some of them can be really toxic and can contain endocrine disruptors. You are in for an awesome treat today because you're going to learn so much from my guest today, Christy Sumer. She's the founder and CEO of the sustainable slow fashion brand Encircled. Encircled makes ultra comfortable and stylish work leisure clothes in a way that honors the people and the planet. Encircled clothing is designed so that women can do more with fewer pieces in their closet, and they are a proudly certified B corporation and produce 100% of their collections locally in Toronto, Canada. I learned a lot today, and I'm sure we've all been through the cycle of buying new clothes over and over because we feel like what we have in our closet is maybe out of date or we put it on and one day it looks great on us. And then the next day we're like, "Eh, I don't know, not so much. And we're not feeling it. And the years go by and we end up with way too many clothes in our closet. I'm pretty conscious of getting rid of my clothes and donating them, but I really need to make it a priority to sit down and go through what is in there because I'm hanging on to stuff that I really don't need. And I I learned a lot from, you know, creating a capsule wardrobe and how do you even start that and what that even means. So I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. Without further ado, let's dive in. Enjoy. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to dive into our topic because it is one we have not talked about on this podcast in like three years ever. We've never talked about fashion, slow fashion specifically. And I think that this is a very important topic. So I'm so excited for you to be here and not just educate our audience, but educate me as well. And I really just want to be like schooled on all things slow fashion <laughs> and what we need to learn. So before we officially dive in, can you share with our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Mm-hmm. Sure. My name is Christy Sumer. I'm the founder and CEO of the sustainable work leisure brand Encircled. 
So we make ultra comfortable, stylish clothing that doesn't compromise on your values when you're purchasing it. So everything's made locally in Toronto. We're a certified B Corp. We're 100% uh, female operated, um, mostly female owned as well. Um, and we really designed with the idea of doing more with less in your wardrobe. So those timeless pieces that you'll reach for over and over again and really love. Um, we call ourselves a slow fashion brand. Um, and I'm happy to go into what that is as a, for sure. as a question, because I think that comes up a lot, but we're basically the opposite of fast fashion. So everything you think about some of those brands that um, kick around that you may know, uh, we operate in a much different way. And we're really mindful about our designs, our production, our consumption, uh, the fabrics down to, you know, the products we use in our office, everything's sustainable and considered. And that's something that's been really important to the brand since the beginning when we were started. Uh, almost just, we just passed our 10 year anniversary. So yay. Um, yeah. Congrats. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. It's a big milestone. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely is. I know all the feels around that. That's so great. So it's, that's a big thing to celebrate. So I hope you're mm -hmm. celebrating that. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Fun. That's huge. So before we dive into slow fashion, fast fashion, have you kind of break all that down? I'd love to take it a little bit back and just kind of get some context in terms of, is like this what you always knew you wanted to do? Have you always mm -hmm. been passionate about being in the world of slow fashion? Like how did that even start and come about? Yeah, so I actually don't have any formal fashion design training at all. Um, I went to school for, you know, finance and economics, then I got my MBA and I was working in management consulting. And I was probably about 10 years into my career where I was in, you know, the quote unquote dream job, really flying all over the pretty much the world to visit clients and, you know, helping them with their retail strategies. And I was feeling very empty. I think at that moment I had achieved what I thought was my dream job and right. I was doing really well, but I didn't feel like I was contributing to the world in a positive way. I actually felt like I was probably helping some brands that I didn't really believe in their values do mm. more in the world. Right. Um, so that started to become very conflicting to me. And it just so happened I was taking a break from consulting and I was heading to my first ever yoga retreat which sounds crazy, but like 10 years ago, yoga retreats were not really a thing. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't as popular. Right. Um, and I was packing and it was last minute. Like I'd gotten the time off and, you know, I think a day later I was like booking a flight and then I was packing the night before and my suitcase happened to rip. Um, and, you know, I was one of those packers who had to pack really like tightly for work because we were always coming in and out. We didn't want to be for at sure. the airport for a long time, carry on only. But I was going on a yoga retreat. So I was like, I need like everything. I need the blocks. I need the mat. I need the thing, the dress. Blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden this like suitcase is overstaffing your ribs. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Everybody's asleep. It's like three in the morning. I can't ask my neighbors. So I'm like, I'm going to have to use my carry on bag. So I started like putting stuff in the bag and I was like, why am I bringing this? This is like so much stuff. Like, why don't I have more versatile pieces? And I started to really question you know, clothing and how come I don't have pieces that I can wear like off the airplane and to, as a dress, like out for dinner, like why is everything so one note and so lacking function? Mm -hmm. And that was really the inspiration for our first product, the Chrysalis Cardi, which was essentially, it's on our website today. It's essentially an eight in one dress tunic scarf cardigan Ooh, that fun. transforms. Um, so that really fueled the launch of the brand. And I think at the beginning, I thought, oh, this is just like a bit of a joke. I'm just going to make this product. It's not a big deal. 
I didn't like think I was building a brand. I was just curious about it and just launched a website and started making the product. Um, and then it really starts to take off and people were really vibing with the concept of traveling light and then eventually kind of parlayed that into the idea of having a more minimalist wardrobe and really living light as well. Because if we can travel with a carry-on suitcase for 10 days, then why do we need like hundreds of items of clothing in our closet that we're often not wearing? Um, so that was really the precipice to starting the brand and my background kind of coming full circle into, I guess, an e-commerce entrepreneur. That's wild. What a great story. And I hate packing <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah. I oh know. my God. And like, it's, it's true. I'm sure this resonates with so many listeners that just trying to figure out what you need and what to take, what not to take. And, oh, I need this. And right. Like we just came back from Europe in September. So, you know, it's two weeks mm -hmm. and my husband and I were very determined, like, no, we're going to, we're going to put this all in, in a carry on. And then you start packing and it's like, no, wait a minute. We're in Switzerland hiking and it's cold. And <laughs> then we're trying, you know, like then I need hiking mm -hmm. shoes. Then I need warmer hoodies. And I'm like, this is not fitting in a carry on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it gets challenging. Um, but every time I pack and travel somewhere, that's always what I'm asking myself is like, how can I just pare this down and make this really simple? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you're like, oh, I just decided to create this product and launch this website. I think for a lot of people, it's like, what, what do you mean you just decided? Like, take us through that process mm -hmm. of, you know, you had this idea and you didn't have this background in fashion and like how, how how does this come to fruition? How does this product actually come to market? Take us through that process of it. Yeah, that was a very condensed version. Of yeah, the that's okay. Comes on a website. Yeah, um, yeah, that was probably like almost a year long process, if not more, uh, because I first of all I didn't know how to make a product. I had no fashion background really, um, so it really started. You know, if you think about ten years ago, um, the resources from a gig economy perspective weren't around. So, and the internet wasn't what it is today. There's no, there were no courses on how to start a sustainable fashion brand. Like right. you were figuring this out at like the library um, and pulling books on it, and maybe finding the odd blog post or whatever. So, I had come across um, an organization where I'm based out of in Toronto called the Toronto Fashion Incubator. And they had some like classes and workshops. So I started taking those. I started taking like a basic sewing class just so I understood how to like sew a sample if I needed to. Um, and then I found through just like coincidence, a technical designer who helped me with my first product design. Um, even though that design is very basic from a pattern making standpoint, from an execution standpoint, it's not that easy. Right. Um, so it took a lot of testing and just buying sample fabric begging manufacturers to send me fabric samples and they'd never even heard of me and I didn't even have a company number um, and just playing around with it. Like I literally bought a sewing machine off of Craigslist and like broke it the first time I used it and sewed my sample on my living room floor. Um, so it was really from the ground up and pretty scrappy. And I was also working full time at the time as well in a capacity where I wasn't home a lot. I was on the road four or five days a week. So it was a bit of a challenge. And I, I continued like that. I ended up launching the brand just towards the end, I think of 2012. And I worked my full-time job for almost two years after that. So I was doing it as a side hustle. You know, it's, it's difficult. And also in that landscape, there's, there wasn't a lot of funding, like it wasn't as like glam as like, you know, it is now for brands to get funding and stuff like that. So it was really bootstrapped and scrappy. 
And it just took a lot of pulling resources and trying things and trying the design on my friends and seeing if they like it Mm -hmm. Um, and starting to see some traction and momentum there and just riding with that. I love it. And here you are today, 10 years later, numerous Mm -hmm. products and this amazing brand. So you started with this one product and what spiraled from there? Yeah. So pretty much every product after that was really linked down the line of traveling light. So everything was really around like transformation. Like one of our other original products we still have in our collection is called the Evolve Top. It's like a reversible um, short sleeve top and the sleeves actually change length from like, like a dolman sleeve to a cap sleeve to sleeveless. Um, and, but it's also very beautiful. So like we were kind of, I was trying to make like, you know, the cargo pants, but make them stylish. Like I didn't want to be like that zip off cargo parent brand, but like stylish clothing that did that kind of same function. Right. So that somebody who was traveling for business or even pleasure could like dress this up super easily. So the key to that was really fabrics and honing in on high quality fabrics that check the boxes around sustainability and um, durability when it came to washing and wearing them. Um, and pretty much every product that flowed out of that after that had a lot of versatility in it. Like I'm wearing our twist top, which you can reverse and you can snap and tie it and stuff like that. That was really the genesis of the brand until probably about the mid, like around mid 2016, 2017, when we started to really shift the conversation to more around how can you create a capsule wardrobe and what does that look like, um, from a perspective of, you know, translating that traveling light, as I talked about to having a smaller, more compressed, simplified closet. And what are the benefits that that can bring to our customers' lives? Amazing. I love it. All right, ladies, I quickly want to chat about the red juice from Organifi. If you are looking for a caffeine-free energy boost in the middle of the day, something that is delicious, loaded with real berries, powerful adaptogens, and extremely low in sugar, this is your go-to. The other day, I actually, I always drink one coffee a day, but I drank this pre-workout that my husband had and didn't realize there was also caffeine in it. And I swear after my workout, like my heart was racing and I couldn't believe how much caffeine was actually in the product that I had used. And combined with my cup of coffee, it was definitely a little too much for me. So if you're looking for that energy boost without the caffeine, this is definitely your go-to. I love the taste of it. It is so delicious. And I love that it has rhodiola, which is an amazing herb for stress. It really helps the body adapt to physical, emotional, and environmental stressors. It has mushrooms in here like cordyceps and reishi, both really great adaptogens, great for energy support as well. And then you get some red beet in here, which is amazing for providing you lots of mineral support, but nitric oxide, which is used for exercise and endurance support. So if you'd like to give this a try, head on over to OrganifiShop.com, use the coupon code wellnesswitch and save 20% off site-wide. For any of my ladies that are listening today that is dealing with PCOS, I get lots of questions of how to support the menstrual cycle, how to eat for PCOS, what to supplement with PCOS. So I really wanted to highlight a great product from Canprev. It's called PCOS Pro Ultra Relief. This is a product that's really going to help relieve those symptoms of PCOS, support normal menstruation, 
help with healthy glucose metabolism, and even promote healthy ovulation. I love that it has 600 milligrams of D-chiroinositol, which is amazing for supporting glucose management, as well as all of those PCOS symptoms that often show up, the very unwanted symptoms like facial hair and acne and unpredictable cycles and sometimes fluctuating weight and inflammation. So I definitely recommend this product. You can search online at canprevwomen.ca and check out PCOS Pro Ultra Relief. You can also search it online. Some really great stores that you can order from virtually are Nature Source, and they do ship to Canada as well as the US. Okay, we are going to get into capsule wardrobe shortly. Mm-hmm. Before we do, let's talk about slow fashion, fast fashion. What does all of this mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So slow fashion and fast fashion, fast fashion are those brands you've probably heard of, you know, examples would be Shein, H&M, Zara. Um, All of these brands kind of came about and I would say like probably in like the early 2000s, there was a really big regulatory change that happened. Um, Specifically, I can speak to Canada where um, they stopped levying duties on imported apparel And when that really happened, what happened here was like the big manufacturing industry of apparel and knitting and dyeing just basically disappeared overnight because all of a sudden it was way cheaper to bring clothing in from overseas than it was to make it locally. Um, So that huge shift propelled a lot of these brands um, importing. And then you started to see some of these big fast fashion brands come into North America um, some of them started there, but like, I think H&M came from Sweden. Um, so they started to set up their local presence. And really the biggest change with fast fashion versus what was before is that they no longer operate around seasons. So typically, historically, fashion has like four or five seasons, maybe like fall, winter, spring, summer, resort. Um, you know, fast fashion is really built on taking trends from the runway and dropping them probably like the next week or two in the store. Like they're really working on like a two to six week timeframe. Whereas like previously it would be like, you know, six months to a year ahead. Um, And their goal is really to push out the cheapest product possible, um, the trendiest uh, at a really low price point. And that sounds amazing from a consumer perspective. And I'm certainly not judging people because I used to shop fast fashion when I was younger as well, Mm -hmm. before I was really aware of what the consequences of it were. Um, but there's a lot of compromise that's required to get a product to that price point. And then there's a whole piece of like consumption. Um, it's always fueling mass consumption, which is not great for us. It's not great for the environment for sure. um, as well. So that's pretty much like an, in a nutshell is fast fashion, cheap, poor fabrics, usually um, exploited labor in their supply chain uh, to get to that cost. Um, and then slow fashion is basically the opposite. So um, you know, slow fashion brands, you know, Shein will launch an average of, I think, a thousand styles a day. Um, you know, in Circle, I think wow, we launched two products last month. Um, so you're talking about a much slower process and a really, um, you know, we're fit testing on different body types. We're adjusting the pattern. We want to make it perfect so that somebody's going to wear this and we're wash testing. These people aren't even putting it on a body, let alone testing the fabrics. They just want to get out as quickly as possible. So slow fashion brands like ours are really focused on fit and fabric and function and really taking that slow approach to design and fashion and using, um, you know, ethical labor. And most of them are using like sustainable or 
recycled fibers in their production as well. So kind of the opposite essentially is how I best describe it. Yeah. So I'm assuming, you know, with fast fashion, this is obviously leading to a lot of waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they've done some studies and we wear about 20% of our closet. So that's always an interesting test for people. If they're feeling like their closet is overwhelmed just to like, I love the hanger trick. Like you go into your closet and as you wear stuff, you flip the hanger around the opposite way. And then you go back maybe like 60 days later and see what you're actually wearing. And most of us are wearing the same outfits on repeat for the most part. Um, You know, so if you think of that, we're accumulating all this stuff and we're not even, not only not wearing it, but we're wasting resources to create it, um, both financially, environmental people, like there's a whole waste component. And then at the end of life cycle, because a lot of these garments designed by these fast fashion brands aren't built to last, um, they fall apart and they end up in a landfill. Right. Uh, because thrift stores and stuff like that, at, at least at this point in time, are overloaded with fast fashion brands. Like they can't sell that product fast enough. So there's little deserts of fast fashion clothing in different countries around the world where it's just clothing. Um, so there's a huge consumption piece that's that's a big problem with the business model of fast fashion that I don't think is talked about enough because oftentimes you'll see those brands come out with like sustainable collections, quote unquote, and they're using sustainable fabrics. But You know, there's more than just that to slow fashion. There's so many pieces to it um, to make a slow fashion brand that they could never achieve unless they want to completely change their business model. Right. So what about big companies, Gucci, Louis Vuitton? What? Yeah. Where are these? Obviously, they're more on the fast Mm -hmm. fashion, but in the model overall, where are they really fitting in and the impact? Yeah, there's a really great... um, I can give you the link to put in your show notes. There's uh, a report that was recently done by Remake. Uh, it's a not-for-profit in the fashion space, and it does like transparency reports with big brands. And one of the biggest problems with those brands, as you can imagine, is that they're very non-transparent about their supply chains, which yeah. makes it completely impossible to even tell if they're doing anything ethically. Um, and just because a brand is more expensive does not guarantee that the people are being paid properly who are making the products, right. nor that they're using sustainable materials. Um, I think that's a bit of a fallacy. There's definitely brands that are very, you know, I think Louis Vuitton is known to be a little bit more um, bespoke and have this like hand sewing and stuff like that. But again, like if you don't know how those workers are even being paid, right. it can sometimes be a bit of like greenwashing just because something says made in Italy doesn't mean the workers are being paid properly. For sure. Um, and a lot of them won't even expose their supply chain because they're so afraid somebody might figure it out and start making fakes or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, right. So so it's hard to say with those brands. Um, you would hope with their margins that they would be paying their workers fairly, but I don't think it's guaranteed. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's not like they're using sustainable materials and so, no. Yeah, for no. sure. <laughs> we <No>. know that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what are some things to consider when shopping? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like starting with your closet, like shop your closet, see what mm-hmm. you already have. Like we just talked about that. There's, you're only wearing about 20% of your closet. Um, we used to run this challenge called wear your closet challenge. And it was really taking, you know, five pieces from your closet that you don't wear and challenging yourself to wear them again. 
Um, and sometimes that's a nice way to rediscover things that you've kind of put away. Mm-hmm. And I think after the past like three years, a lot of people have put away a lot of clothing that they're not wearing on the regular because they are maybe working from home now or whatever. Right. So that's a great opportunity to reevaluate your wardrobe, maybe simplify it, maybe trade some stuff with a friend or Poshmark it. Um, you know, there's lots of opportunities there. So I always recommend starting with your closet. And then if you actually need something and you really feel that pull, um, doing that research on the front end before you buy it, I think is a really great perspective and trying to avoid those like impulse purchases. Cause I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble is when you see like a sale sign and you buy yeah. something, you're so excited. And then you get it back and you're like, how would they even wear this? Why did I buy it? And then, but it's final sales. So you're stuck with it. Right. Um, so that type of stuff I think can be a really good way to make sure that you're slowing down your consumption and just really thinking about what you need in your closet versus what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely, being that I work from home, I definitely find that I'm wearing the same things over and over and over, especially in the winter time. I find that's Mm -hmm. where I'm not super versatile. Whereas in the summertime that it's different. I feel like I go through a lot of my summer clothes because I'm outdoors a lot. I, I want to go out. I'm more of a hermit during the winter time, but I really should be shopping my closet because, because there's a lot (laughs) in there for sure. Now, in terms of fabrics, what should we be looking for? Mm -hmm. So I'm my preference, like, so fabrics, I would say are a continuum. So there's no like perfectly sustainable fabric. Um, I think I came into the sustainable fashion thinking like there must be like that perfect fabric that you're using. It must be like linen or something like that. But there's so many complexities to how fabric's made, um, you know, from how it's grown to how it's processed when the raw materials are being grown to how it's dyed and the materials used to do that and knitting and all that kind of stuff. So there's no perfect sustainable fiber, but there are better fibers. So um, I have a huge preference towards a couple of fabrics. So I love um, fabric called Tencel Lyocell. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a fabric that's made from regenerated. I've been seeing wood that lately. Yeah. 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 It's a very clean process to making it. They use very few chemicals. They're only really used for heating the water. And all of that is recycled in the system. Um, and it creates a really beautiful hand feel. Um, sustainable fabrics, I think like 20 years ago, were probably known to be like, hemp and like burlap and really rough textures. Now you've got a lot of beautiful products like Tencel also does a Modell. Um, They do something called EcoVero, which is like in between that. So there's a lot of stuff on that side of the fence um, alongside like hemp, organic cotton, um, merino wool, if it's responsibly sourced is a really beautiful fiber as well. Um, And and linen is great too. Um, What I would probably stay away from is polyester, nylon, those petroleum-based fibers. They take a lot of energy to create. Uh, There's a lot of chemicals used in their processing. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they're made from oil and plastic, and they'll never biodegrade. I know there are um, fabrics in that side that are recycled polyester, and we've worked with some of those as well. I think that's a better solution. But ultimately, I think you want to be leaning more towards those natural fibers and looking for those certification like got certified for cotton blue sign certified is another one that runs across a bunch of fabrics or Urcotech certified. Um, those are just certifications that indicate that it's free of harmful chemicals. Cause there's a lot of chemicals that are used in the dyeing and processing of fabrics. 
and they're not as regulated when it's done overseas, which most of the fabric processing is now um, because it's disappeared from U.S. and Canada. So, um, you know, that is like something really important to think about because there's a couple of things that end up in dyes and very, very cheap fabrics that you want to stay away from. So if you are shopping fast fashion, look for those certifications. If you can't find them, there's probably a reason. Um, so I would advise staying away from them. And Generally, I would say for the most part, you can kind of tell. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of buying something from a fashion brand and you open up, you know, the bag it's shipped in and it just smells. I was just weird. gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. So that's like a sign of something off-gassing. Yeah. Um, and there we can go into what that might be, but there's a lot of things that happen during the processing and, and freighting of apparel, especially from overseas to protect it from, you know, mold and rodents and stuff like that. Um, so that's why like another great tip is to always wash your clothing before you wear them. Okay. Never wear it right out of the bag, no matter what. Okay. That's a really good tip. So I definitely would love to go down the rabbit hole with, mm-hmm. with that. I was going to, I was just going to say it because forever 21, that store. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even walk by it. Just the smell coming from that store is intense. So yeah. let's talk about that. What is happening there? <laughs> Yeah. So specifically, I don't know exactly what's happening with them, but I would say in general, there's a bunch of stuff that can go into like the finishing of textiles that will cause some smells and off-gassing. And that's not great for your skin or your body. Uh, One is formaldehyde. So typically when you see something like anti-wrinkle, it's been treated with, or wrinkle resistant, it's been treated with formaldehyde, which, um, you know, formaldehyde has a bit of a smell. It's a carcinogen. Um, it's been known to cause skin irritations with people, um, headaches and sore throats. So it's not something you really want on your fabrics. Generally it would wash out, but if you think about that, it's washing into our waterways when you're washing your clothing. So that's also something to avoid if possible. Um, you know, there's also phthalates that are on clothing. Um, so those are endocrine disruptors. Um, those commonly come overseas as well because they're irregulated. They're usually on logos and like decorative prints and stuff like that, um, because they need that to adhere to the garment. Um, you know, leather goods sometimes have chromium in them, which is also um, kind of technically a poison to the environment as well as harmful to your skin. Um, and then PFAs and PFCS are also um, in a lot of clothing from typically overseas as well. Um, and azo dyes. Azo dyes are um, a known carcinogen as well. They are important because they're used in a lot of fast fashion because they will allow the dye to take faster and deeper and with cold water so it's cheaper and that means that it's just you know if you ever see those fluorescent you know neon anything I'm always like alert this is not good Um, and those are also suspected carcinogens as well so those are all things that you're putting against your skin or even you're washing and you're putting in the waterways. So that's why those certifications are really great. Even down to if you're thinking about like home goods, like the sheets you're sleeping on or the towels you're using, like always keep an eye out for those types of certifications to keep your family safe. Yeah, that's a really good point. We're really conscious of the towels and I mean, everything that we buy for sure. And I would say in the last few years, I've been really conscious of the clothing and the textures, the materials, the eco-friendly, the sustainability. Um, I have a lot of clothes because I have a lot of old clothes. Mm -hmm. And that's the 
the part of me that's, do I let go of this? And I'm sure you probably have fallen into that trap of like, but maybe it will come back in, in style <laughs> and should I keep it? And one day I will wear it. And I think that's where sometimes I get, I get stuck in terms of, you know, cleaning out the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to circle back to certifications. You mentioned certifications. Can we just dive mm-hmm. a little bit deeper into that and what to yeah. look for? Yeah. So there's the biggest ones that I know of are cloth certified. So that's usually with organic cotton. So that's certifying the yarns, um, ensuring that, you know, there's the only pesticides used are non-harmful because cotton itself has a lot of pesticide use in the growing of it. Right. Um, it's also one of the most like GMO crops in the world. And there's a lot of slave labor in that supply chain still. So um, GOTS is a certification around that. Um, there's one called Orcotext. Um, I can definitely spell that out. O-E-K-O-T-E-X. I know that sounds weird when I say mm-hmm. it, but apparently that's how you say it. Yep. Um, so that's one that we have most of, I would say like 95% of our fabrics are certified by that. Um, and that's a certification around um, harmful chemical usage. So it's that the fabrics are safe. You know, there are always chemicals used in a lot of processing, but there's not always necessarily bad chemicals. They have to be tested to be safe against your skin and non-harmful to humans and animals in the environment. Right. Um, so that's a really important one. That one is very commonly seen on a lot of sheets and stuff like that. You'll see it in bedding a lot um, or like lingerie, uh, which is a whole nother topic. <laughs> your underwear, I what you're bet. putting on your underwear should be really good. Um, yeah. And then blue sign is another really big one. So blue sign runs the gamut more around um, kind of similar thing like, just the processing has been done in a way that's environmentally considered. I would say it's my least preferable one amongst the three, but um, it's definitely something to look for. The other thing to consider is like where the fabric's being sourced from. And this gets into like some of the minutia that is hard for shoppers and consumers to get around, but you can always put the onus back on the brand and ask them the questions. And I encourage consumers to do that. So ask where the fabric's knit, um, ask where the product's actually made. Uh, before making your purchase. Um, And you can even ask them more questions like, how are people paid? Like, how is this fabric process? Are there any certifications? Um, Generally, if it's not on their website, it's probably not there, but you can always ask um, just to make sure so that you're informed and knowledgeable. But, um, you know, when you're dealing with fabrics from overseas, as we talked about, especially production overseas with the fabrics and then braiding that stuff across in like containers, you know, they're spraying it to make sure that mice aren't eating it, that there's no mold growing on it, like that kind of stuff happens. So um, that's, again, more chemicals kind of layering onto your clothing at the end of the day. So and a lot of that's not really tested when it lands in the country that it's destined for. Um, So yeah, so those are some things to look for. It doesn't necessarily mean that like buying clothing made in America or made in Canada is like that much better. You always have to be mindful to ask those questions about how people are treated in the supply chain. But Definitely there's a lower carbon footprint from shopping, you know, made in USA. For example, if it's shipping to the USA, there's a significantly lower carbon footprint from having everything made locally versus freighting something in from all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting because we give so much attention to cleaning up our makeup products and don't drink out of plastic bottles, but yet... Mm we're wearing plastic and our clothing can be just as toxic as, you know, all these other things that we're trying to be conscious of eliminating. And I know it can definitely be overwhelming for sure. So for somebody Mm -hmm. like 
for someone who's like, I want to do better. I, you know, where do I start? And I, I have lots of clothes in my closet, you know, what is, what's the best thing that I can do mm-hmm. so that I'm not creating more waste. And where do I put these items? Like, what are, what are some suggestions and tips that you can offer? Yeah. You have to start with where you are. So it's all about progress over perfection. Nothing would be less sustainable than having somebody like completely toss their closet and just start again. Right. Um, ideally we want you to integrate pieces that you have already and then just going forward, be more mindful with your consumption and what you're purchasing and why. Um, there's, I always recommend starting with like a closet audit. So just spending time, you know, over the holidays is a great time to do this. Um, you know, take everything out of your closet, try it on, you know, does it fit with your lifestyle still? Like if you're now working from home, you know, five days a week and you don't plan to ever go back to work, do you need all of those pantsuits and skirt suits? Like, could they be donated? Like we have a great organization here called Dress for Success, um, which takes like almost new barely used uh, workwear and gives it to women who can't afford it. Um, like there's lots of organizations like that that are willing to take those types of like really high quality donations. Yep. Um, you can also trade with your friends if you have items that like maybe no longer fit. Um, I'm a big fan of repairing stuff. So oftentimes the culture that we have, if something's ripped, like our jeans, we're like, oh, well, like let's right. toss them. Um, but it's so much more effective and less impact on the environment. If you take those to like the tailor and maybe they fix that extra rip that's too much in your, in your jeans for like 20 bucks. Um, so I think starting with that audit of your closet, like what's working, what's not working, what fits, what's, you know, needs repair, what's maybe past its life. Cause some stuff may be like just beyond usage and then figuring out how to responsibly dispose of that. So some clothing will have a second life for sure. Uh, we have a Facebook group um, and many brands do where there's buy, sell trades. So people can buy, sell and trade items. Um, you could use a site like Poshmark as an example, where you can do that online and put up your own listings and sell stuff. Um, you'd be surprised at the half-life, a lot of clothing and people <laughs> that they want, I like, bet. you know, that whatever, that Lululemon workout top, like they've been following it for years. Um, so you might be able to make at least some money back, you know, and put that in your savings or whatever. Um, so always start with like where you are today and then just start slowly incorporating these better practices when you are shopping and thinking of what you need to buy. Um, and I always recommend like spending some time just really thinking about that. Like what am I actually buying stuff for? Because I think as a society, we have a tendency to overinvest in single use clothing, like, you know, even gowns and underinvest in those things that we're actually wearing every day. Like, denim or a great white t-shirt um so we really want to flip that paradigm and have you investing in like pieces that you're actually wearing on repeat so that you get better quality pieces that will last longer for sure yeah that's really important so you mentioned creating a capsule wardrobe Mm -hmm. tell us what that means yeah so this is a concept that's not that new like it's from i think the 60s or 70s um it was really the idea of having just this like super refined wardrobe that mixes and matches beautifully together. Typically the number that comes up, which will, might scare a few of your listeners, is usually between 35 to 37 pieces of clothing. Um, that can be a little challenging for people, especially if you live somewhere where it's like you mentioned going to Switzerland. Um, you know, I live up in Toronto. We have like, I would argue four to six seasons. Yeah. Like it's it's <laughs> like it could be minus 
30 or it could be 20 degrees Celsius. Like it's all over the place. Um, So, you know, use that as like a guide, but really the principle is coming up with this really refined wardrobe that suits your lifestyle. So not all capsule wardrobes are created equal because we all live different lives and all have different needs. Um, And it's something that you really like are intentionally building and focusing on. So every time you're purchasing, you're like, do I need this in my capsule wardrobe? Like it's really a check back to what you actually are wearing. Um, and capsule wardrobe is all about wearability. So it's all about outfit repeating, which is something that in society is also really um, coming back, I think, in a way. But um, a lot of people will be like, especially women, I feel like have a lot of pressure to always be in like a new outfit right. um, and not be seen in that thing again. Um, but outfit repeating is actually really cool because it means you're wearing a closet and you're getting utility out of what you own. It's so I think that's a great principle of capsule wardrobes. And then, yeah, really taking the time and not... Um, I would say overthinking it, but also like spending that enough time so that you're mindful about adding pieces to it. So you're not, you know, over consuming and really having that utility out of your closet. So we really want to flip that paradigm from that 20% of your closet more to like that 80% um, more so. And I definitely think you can get there with a capsule wardrobe. That's amazing. So what are some tips for women, you know, obviously body changes, gaining weight, losing weight, pregnancy, what are some tips for that? Yeah, that's a tricky one uh, because, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm just about to posh a pair of jeans that I bought uh, from a made in Detroit denim company that they will not fit me. <laughs> they will right. not fit me no matter what I do. They were tight <laughs> when I bought them. I've hung on to them for five years. Uh, I haven't worn them once. And, and they're like beautiful salvage denim and it's a crime for me to keep them because somebody else would enjoy them a lot more than me and they're in brand new condition. Right. Um, so letting go of some of those pieces can be actually really freeing. Um, if you think about where they go and giving them a second life. So I think the more you can think about like donation is a good option. It's better than the garbage never throw clothing in the garbage, at least donate it because at least it's going to get sorted and ideally put into some use, whether it's shredding for insulation or something like that. Um, But the the idea is to really get higher utility. So if you are, you know, planning on becoming pregnant, you know, there's lots of great marketplaces beyond Poshmark where you can probably um, buy maternity clothing um, and then resell it after, or you can talk, contact your girlfriends and see if they've been pregnant and if you can buy some pieces right. um, to swap out. And there's even like rental sites for clothing. Now um, it started with like occasion dresses and evening wear and stuff like that. But there's yes. now actual sites where you can rent like maternity wardrobes or a temporary wardrobe. If you want, maybe you're going through a phase where you're gaining a lot of weight and that just is what it is. So yeah. rent, you know, that size, whatever pants, and then come back to your other wardrobe while you, while, while you figure it out. So I think there's options now everywhere and you can be pretty flexible with it um the idea is to like plan for the wardrobe that you have today as much as possible it's really difficult to buy pants or dresses or whatever with the sense of fitting into them because I just think that puts a lot of pressure on yourself for sure um you know and it's very it's a very punitive I used to do it too when I was younger I'd be like I'm just gonna get those like 26 jeans and I'll fit fit into them eventually right like I never fit into them (laughs) like why did I torture myself right So there's a little bit of compassion there for yourself, I think, needed as well when going through that process. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of Facebook groups and stuff like that out there that would be, I think, great outlets for people if they are going through some shifts in their wardrobe and they want to responsibly upcycle or 
um, sell some of their pieces. I love that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your company Encircled and some of the amazing items that you have and the versatility of them. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, we have uh, a lot of pieces that are transformative. So that's kind of where we started. But our best-selling piece by far is our dressy sweatpants. So they are a pair of sweatpants. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they are. um, Yeah, I think over we sold maybe over like 15, 20,000 pairs. Um, They are made from a fabric called Micromodal that's knit locally actually in Toronto uh, and dyed locally at the last dye house in Ontario, which is crazy. There's only about five knitters as well left here. Um, so very low carbon footprint, beautiful fabric. Um, the secret to those really is the fabric. It's like surprisingly dressy. It's not just like your fleece, you know, sweatpants from like champions that we're saying you wear them to work. You know what I mean? The fabric is really the secret and has a lot of like chic detailing and stuff like that on the pant. Um, so those by far are bestseller. Um, our t-shirts and v-necks are beautiful as well. I always recommend investing in really good basics because you wear them all the time. You wash them. You don't want them to warp or shrink or, um, pill in the wash. So those are some great pieces. Um, and then we just launched a new dress, uh, for our anniversary, uh, this last month, um, called the anytime dress and it's made from dressy sweatpant fabric. So it feels like sweatpants. Uh, but it's work appropriate and has reversible neckline and has pockets because who doesn't love pockets in the dresses? In the dresses, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just really flattering. So, yeah, that's really like we want women to be comfortable in our clothing and to feel like themselves and not have to worry about pulling at waistbands and all that kind of stuff. Um, so those are kind of our top recommended pieces, but everything kind of falls under that comfy, stylish work leisure umbrella. Um, really, stuff that you can wear anywhere, any day of the week. I love that. And you've been generous to give our audience a 10% coupon code, which is so exciting. Mm -hmm. So for everyone that's listening, you can head on over to actually, you can confirm the website for me, but the coupon code is wellness, switch, and that will save you 10%. So let our listeners know where they can find you in your website and where they can learn more. Sure. Yeah. Our website is encircle.ca. So that's E-N-C-I-R-C-L-E-D.ca. And we're also on Instagram at encircled underscore. So feel free to connect with us there. Um, send us a DM. I manage our Instagram right now. So <laughs> I'll be in there. If you have any questions on fast fashion or slow fashion or any of our styles or fit or anything like that, capsule wardrobe, we've got lots of great educational stuff on our blog as well, on our website on how to build a capsule wardrobe. So um, check us out over there and feel free to say hi. Amazing. That was so informative. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all of that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. I really hope you learned a lot. And if you would like to check out Encircled, head on over to their website, encircled.ca, and you can save 10% off your purchase with the coupon code wellnesswitch at checkout. Really excited to check out some of their options and their clothing. And at the time of this recording, in just a few short weeks, I'm actually heading to Costa Rica. So listening to Christy's story about how she was traveling and being on airplanes a lot and really wanted pieces in her wardrobe that she could 
travel with and that could really be versatile, that's totally what I'm looking for. So I'm definitely gonna be checking out their site very soon. Again, the coupon code is wellnesswitch. Head on over to encircled.ca and that will save you 10% off. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'll chat with you all next week. Take care.